The Career Mom Community Podcast is brought to you by Career Mom Community and Debronetta Howard. All rights are reserved. To leverage any aspect of this content, please submit a written request to careermomcommunity at gmail.com. Please connect with us on social media. Through Facebook, you can connect with Career Mom Community, the Facebook page, and connect with us online at www.careermomcommunity.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Career Mom Community Podcast. I'm your host, Debronetta Howard. Today with me, we have a special treat for today's podcast. Our special guest is Beth Backus of Healthy Heart Vibes. That is her blog. And I'm so excited to hear her career journey and for Beth to share with us some nuggets of wisdom. Welcome, Beth, to the Career Mom Community Podcast. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Awesome. So let's get started. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I am Beth Backus. I am currently a market researcher for a public university in Ohio, and I live in a small college town with my two daughters, ages one and three, and um, I found my career in market research in a somewhat unconventional way. I got my master's degree in higher education and administration. And um, my husband got a job in the town, in, in this small college town, and we moved here. And I was like, well, they have a college there. I got my degree in higher education. Hopefully I can get a job. <laughs> um, and so I was applying to jobs within the university in, the, in, our, in our town. And I ended up getting one that was in online, coordinating online programs and um, doing some marketing for the online programs. And this was back in like 2010 when online degree programs were just really coming to fruition and becoming more popular. And um, shortly after that, after I got that original position, my supervisor left and I was promoted to be the director of the online programs and the technology center in within the college, the, the college is the part of, of the university that I was in. And um, I really enjoyed that. And I really enjoyed all the people I was working with. And I did that for about, uh, nine years. And throughout that, I became a manager and I learned how my, how my managerial style was. And I um, continued along that path. But then I was one of the youngest people working in the dean's office. And um, at the time, they needed somebody to take over the social media. And everybody kind of looked at me because I was the youngest person. They just assumed that I was on social media, which I was. And so I learned all about how to do social media marketing for the college. And I went and got certificates in social media marketing and went to conferences. And I, it was a skill that I really started to enjoy and enhance and see myself doing in the long run. But unfortunately, that social media part was just a small portion of my job responsibilities. And so it was unfortunate that my favorite part of my job wasn't really what I was hired to do and wasn't what I was paid to do day to day. 
Um, so throughout the years, I, you know, I, I eventually became a mom and I, um, I became a mom through, uh, IVF and my job and my boss were very supportive through all of that whole process. But then as once I became a mom, I just realized that my priorities were changing and the managerial style that I originally had started to develop and started to change. And I wasn't really sure what to do with myself at that time. Um, and then a couple of new jobs came up at our university and they had to do with social media marketing and marketing, strictly marketing and uh, recruitment for online programs and for our degree programs. And I thought, you know what, that's something that I, I would really like to do full time. And so I ended up applying for those job, that job and I, I got it. Um, and I, I, one of the reasons why I went for it was because I was having trouble setting new boundaries in my previous position now that I was a mom. And I had become so close to my coworkers in that old job. And I had already set all of these expectations where I was fine working and nights and weekends. And I wasn't sure how to, how to get around that. And I had a lot of support, but even when people are supportive about, and they say they're supportive about your schedule and about your boundaries, um, sometimes you, they, they don't even realize that they're doing it when they're so close to you. Cause they'll just be texting me in the evening, even though they were like one of my close, closest friends and things like that. So I just, I needed to reevaluate things. And this new job was the perfect opportunity for me. And I felt confident though, in that I was still able to stay at my university and stay in contact with those, all those old coworkers, which was really comforting to me. Um, so it wasn't that big of a risk or that big of a leap because um, I was didn't have to move my family or anything for this new job. But I now am doing market research for the university and I really, really enjoy it. And again, it's one of those things where I just built on my skills and found the job, the portion of the job that I really enjoyed. And that's the movement that I wanted for my career that I hoped to follow. So that's how I got to where I am now. And I'm in my favorite job I've ever had. I'm really enjoying it. And I, it's something that I can see myself doing long-term. So yeah, that's how I've, that's, that's the motion of my career so far. Wow, you touched on a lot, and I really enjoy you sharing your story of how your um, colleagues and your boss and your employer was supportive of your um, motherhood journey mm -hmm. and your path to becoming a mother, so that's always um, really heartwarming to hear um, when we have that support in the workplace as working women and working moms, so thank you for sharing that. Um, before we dive into the conversation a bit further, Beth, can you share a fun fact about yourself? Yeah. So let's see. I am a classically trained vocalist. I, in college, uh, studied under an opera singer. And don't ask me to sing now because I've totally lost my range. But <laughs> I, I, that is something that I, that is from my past that I've always enjoyed doing. Wow, that was going to be my first thought. Can you sing something? <laughs> but maybe another time. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I always enjoy uh, operas and uh, theater and things like that. So that is a great fact and something I will always remember about you. And I'm sure the audience will as well. <laughs> All right, so let's dive in a little bit more into the conversation around your career and this concept of setting boundaries. 
as you've navigated through your career, how were you able to find that work-life balance, the boundaries, whether it's relational or workload, but still maintain your forward momentum in your career? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what I found, I have three things that I have found that have really worked for me and that I, there are three pillars that I've set for myself and that I've also received respect in and people following them. So the first one that I, I really follow is calendar blocking. Um, and I, I started doing this in my old position in my previous job. And that's really was one of the things that helped me better understand how to create the boundaries. And so with calendar blocking, if I have a large project that I need to work on, or I have something that I need to do for myself, I will always make sure to mark things down on the calendar as that's time that people cannot schedule meetings with me. And I will, I mean, to be a team player, I will always let my supervisor know, feel free, you can schedule things in those sessions because my I share my calendar and she know, she can see um, exactly what my meetings are. So, um, so my supervisor can still block out a meeting for me on my calendar. But if my calendar is blocked off, I just say that that's time that I need for myself or to work on a project. And um, that has, I will, I will say that working virtually now has helped that because that's really the only way we can communicate with people and set up meetings now because we have to get on people's calendars and um, send a, an evite basically into a meeting. We can't just pop into somebody's office any, as much anymore like we used to. Um, but that's really worked out for me. And I even color code my calendar so that um, my colleagues that know me, they know like, oh, this color means that she's in this type of meeting or she's working on this type of project. And so the communication there has really helped. And the other th- another thing that I do is I do allow times to be on call after hours. So if for instance, we're traveling, um, my family and my husband's family, they all live far away. So we might spend a whole day traveling and I'll tell my colleagues and my coworkers that, you know, this time says I'm out of office on this day, but I'm going to mark it as I'm on call, meaning if they have a question or they can still send me emails or messages and I'll respond to them, but I might not have my computer with me and I might not have access to all of the documents that I normally would have access to so that they understand that um, they can call me if they, they need me, but I won't have full access to do all the work that I might need, to, that they may need me to do. And then that also helps out with clarifying then when I'm on call versus when I'm totally off limits. So if, for instance, going back to the vacation, and if we take a first day of travel time and I say I'm on call then, and then I'll tell everybody I'm totally blocking off my calendar on these other times. Um, only, please don't bother me. Only bother me if there's a real emergency that you need access to something with. And honestly, maternity leave helped me establish this really, really well. At the beginning of my maternity, my first maternity leave, um, my daughter came early. And so I wasn't prepared to be on maternity leave yet. And I hadn't shared documents with people. I hadn't given access to things that people would need before I left. And so, you know, I told my colleagues then, okay, I have two weeks, I'm giving you two weeks to make sure that you get everything from me that you're going to need for the rest of my maternity leave. And, um, and then after that, I was done. And so I actually owe maternity leave to allowing me to understand boundaries a little bit better. 
Um, and honestly, it's worked pretty well with, again, just being communicative with my colleagues on what my expectations are. And again, it's being part, a team player in that I'm willing to work on nights and weekends during certain times, but I'm going to tell you ahead of time when those are, and you can't just pop in on my calendar whenever. Um, and then another thing that I, the last thing that I do is if I do get a message after hours or an email or a task from someone, I will often acknowledge it, but then I will give them a time frame for when it's going to get done. So if I get a message on Monday evening that something that somebody needs something, I will say, oh, you know what, that, thank you for bringing this to my attention. That's a great point. I will take care of this at 10 o'clock the next morning. Um, I think giving a time frame instead of just saying, oh, sure, I'll do that. I'll get that done. Um, they, they know when to expect it and they know that you saw the message. And so um, again, I'm being communicative in that people know what the expectations are and they know when something will get done so that they don't just think that I'm ignoring a message or um, that I'm ignoring them or going to procrastinate on the task. Because then that also helps me with my, again, going back to the calendar blocking. If I say, I, okay, I know I have 10 o'clock free for a few minutes, I can look into that for you. Um, I'm, I'm giving them that boundary right there. And I, I think that I also, I've, I've made this message, I've vocalized this message to my colleagues as well in that I think I work harder now during the workday because I'm a parent, because I know I can't just take my computer home and work an evening in front of the TV anymore. I used to do that all the time when I was child-free and I would just procrastinate on a task knowing that it needed to get done by the next day, but I knew I had all evening at home to get that done and I don't have that anymore. And so I know that I will get the work done within those specific work hours. And so people can expect things from me by 5 p.m. now instead of later in the evening. And so if I get those to them by the deadline, instead of procrastinating into the evening, then that also just by itself sets another expectation that they can uh, know that I will follow through on. That's awesome. And I can relate to working more as a parent yeah. than pre-parenting days. So yeah, that's awesome. I'm sorry. I just wanted to add that in there. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure many people can relate to a lot of these things that we have to adjust to and deal with going from one lifestyle in, in the working world to another lifestyle. For sure. <laughs> All right. Did you have any other tips? I know you touched on the calendar blocking um, and also allowing yourself to be flexible. Um, and I think that's key, right? Sometimes we, we recognize that we can't work around the clock, but we also want to be a team player. And you touched on that. So um, thank you for sharing that. Were there any other tips or nuggets of wisdom? Um, actually, this uh, was something that I just posted. I wrote a blog post about it just last week. Uh, you know, having to deal with when you're working and you get that dreaded call from daycare at 10 a.m. saying your child has a fever and they have you have to get them and bring them home. <laughs> um, that's also another thing that many of us have to work with and deal with. And my biggest piece of advice, or think one, I, I should say one thing that I do with that is just again communicating to your partner or family or 
um, school or and your boss and your work environment what your plan is for if you have a sick day or if, or if your child has a sick day. Because um, obviously we can't plan for everything and we have no idea when it's going to happen or what the scenario is going to be, but just one of the things that my husband and I did during uh, the COVID quarantine when we were both working from home is we had a whiteboard and we wrote down our, our average or our daily meeting schedule just so each person knew when the other person had couldn't be bothered or when the other person had a little bit of flexibility. And we've continued that now. And so I know when my husband is on a day that my husband's really, really busy. And if a child were to get sick that he would not be able to um, come home or pick up the kids at all versus, and the same thing goes for me. I write down my schedule. And um, even just this past week, my husband took my 15 month old to her well check appointment because I had written down on the whiteboard that I had meetings all day and he actually had a little bit of free time. So it worked out that he could take them and I wouldn't have to cancel meetings. So I think just again, working, talking through things. Cause I think it's, we need to make sure that we're not expecting one person to always be on sick day duty. Um, we need to work together. And also like if you have secondary childcare options with family in town or friends or babysitters, just making sure that everybody knows what the, what the secondary plan would be if childcare were to get interrupted. Yeah, I really like that practice of making sure that all parties involved in the care for your family understand kind of the plan B. If something goes wrong or if something happens or if something needs to be shifted, you know, where are we individually in terms of our day and our schedule and how can we maneuver to really help and support um, our family's needs? So I, I, I like that tip and that advice and definitely I'll head over to your blog and check that out so that I can read a little bit more. All right, and one of the last questions I have, and you've touched on ways that you've overcome various challenges, not only in your career, but also in the various roles that you play. Are there any other challenges that you've faced as you've been navigating your career and how have you been able to overcome them? Yeah, so the first thing that comes to mind is I was a young manager and many of my staff and in working in higher ed, my graduate assistants were older than me. And um, I had many international grads, graduate, graduate assistants who had careers before they just in their own countries before they decided to come over and um, to the United States and continue their education in a different field. And I, that's when um, my big one of my biggest challenges and that's where the whole imposter syndrome started with me because, you know, I would be sitting there and I'd be looking at this room of people and half of them were older than me. And do they have more experience than me? But when it all came down to it, we all brought different experience to the table, which is really, really important in building a team. And because we had such varying experiences and um, both in career and life, it brought a lot of great opinions and ideas to the table that may not have been able to be discussed beforehand. And so I really tried to take that to heart whenever I was feeling like I was an imposter and I shouldn't be here and somebody else should be doing this job. Um, I, I really tried to look at my team and see where everybody's strengths were and how we all can fit together and figure out this problem or move this project forward. And 
um, uh, again, when I um, started my family and wanted to kind of reevaluate myself and my priorities in my job description and my job, the wants out of my job, I, the way I kind of reevaluated everything was I took personality quizzes and like the Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram and all of those types of things to really find out where I thought my strengths lied. Because when we go through different, different points in life, some of our, what we used to think was a strength may not be a strength anymore or vice versa. And I also looked at reprioritizing my family over some parts of my job, such as travel. And I even met with a career coach that helped me visualize these new strengths that I hadn't even realized that I was, that I was hiding. And um, one of the greatest pieces of advice that my career coach gave me when I was thinking about applying for this new job was if you want to move forward in your career, take off the responsibilities on your resume that you didn't like doing and that you don't want to do again. And that was just this huge aha moment for me in realizing where I wanted to go, because why would I brag about certain skills that I did or that I have if I don't want to ever do it again? I don't want to put that on my resume as, uh, as something that I'm proficient in if I don't want to do it, but I can use those skills that I used and I can write down those skills that helped me with that task, but formulate it in a way that helps justify your experience and the direction that you do want to go. And that was huge. That was a huge realization for me in helping me to better understand where I want to my career to go. And another challenge that I had kind of along those lines is that I've gained most of my experience for my current job or my last two jobs on the job. And because my, like I said, my, I have a master's degree in higher education, but I've wanted to move towards marketing. And so I took some certificates, but I don't have a formal master's degree credential behind my name in marketing. And so how do I prove myself in this area to, to make sure that that's never going to be something that's held over my head or that's that I feel like is holding me back. And again, I kind of looked back at all the, com the common denominator in all my jobs is that I, I'm in higher ed and I love higher education and my, my, I don't, I, I don't like to use the word passion, but one of my passions is making sure that the things that I'm doing in my job is for the betterment of education and, and, higher education in general and making sure that um, we are recruiting students that we want to have in degree programs and we want to graduate and put into the labor market and um, making sure that we're just educating people to the best of our ability. And that's where my passion lies. And so if that's my foundation and that is my degree in higher education, then all of these skills that I have built, that's just makes my job even better. And that's makes me more reliable in my job because I'm not just thinking about, especially in marketing, I'm not just thinking about, uh, you know, recruitment and spending this money to get all these leads. I'm also thinking about how this will affect the college and the university as a whole, because that's what I really understand. 
and it with my, um, my with my background. And so I, I think that's one thing that we can really take again with imposter syndrome is you you are where you are for a reason and you've gotten there because of your past experiences and the skills that you have and the skills that you want to enhance. And so don't ever take that for granted because somebody saw some potential in you at some point and just keep going with that and be confident in what you're doing, especially if you if you like your job or if you like the way that your career is going or if you want to find, even if you want to find a new direction for your career, it's just reevaluate those, the skills and your strengths and find out where that lies within your current job and what skills you could possibly work on to make your career go in the next direction that would make things even better for you. That's awesome. And I hope those that are listening to today's episode really hone in on that if they face challenges with imposter syndrome or if they're trying to overcome their own version of imposter syndrome. I always like to say you are in the right place at the right time and there's a reason why you're there. And just that small affirmation really helps me to overcome the imposter syndrome. And and you touched on a lot of that. So thank you for sharing um, your journey and how you've been able to overcome the various challenges that you faced. And I certainly wish you all the success to come in your field and also with your blog and the community that you are building. So can you share with the audience how they can find you on social media, and perhaps if they want to learn a little bit more about you, how can they learn and connect with you further? Yeah, so I'm mostly on Instagram, and my username is healthy at healthy heart vibes, and my blog is you can find it with the title healthy heart vibes as well, but but the URL is bethbacchus.com. Awesome. And that information will be included in the description for this podcast. Thank you once again, Beth, for being a part of the Career Mom Community Podcast, as well as sharing with us for season one, the official season one of Career Mom Community Podcast, which is finding purpose in your profession. Thank you once again to everyone who's listening today. And Beth, thank you so much for sharing with the audience. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And thank you for starting this community. It's something that I think many people will find very valuable. Awesome. Thank you again. And until next time, I will speak to you all in the next episode. Bye, guys. Thank you.